Yesterday afternoon is a part of the men's retreat. I had a wonderful opportunity during our free time to join a number of the men and climb Mount Monadnock. It, it, it took longer than I thought it was going to take. Because <laughs> somebody told me, some guy by the name of Sean Pendergast, who's a climbing animal, that uh, it only take an hour and ten minutes to get to the summit. It was about an hour and 40 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that for us. We were just a little slower. Uh, great hike. And, of course, as soon as we got to the top of the mountain, the clouds came in. But we were still able to see a long way. And, and I'm grateful I'm not too sore this morning. You know, my old legs and that kind of thing. So I'm getting to be an old man. You know, I'm going to be 50 pretty soon. And, um, but i got to tell you, as I was coming down the mountain, and uh, we were certainly approaching the end of the trail... And I was walking along with Bobby Summers, you know, with this deja, deja vu kind of moment came to me. Um, you know, we were kind of asking, well, I wonder how much further out the parking lot is, you know. And, um, and it brought back memories of one of the worst weeks of my life. Back when I was, I, we joined the Boy Scouts, what, about sixth grade or something? You know, and, and I had joined the Boy Scouts, like, late in the fall and, and uh, that next summer, we were going on a 50-mile hike on the Long Trail in New Hampshire. So we got dropped off, and, and I didn't really know anything about hiking, camping, or anything. I mean, we had had one deep freeze, I think, kind of thing. And so we march off. We, we start in the first day. We get into the camp for the first night, and they put the two rookies together, myself and this other kid. So we take forever setting up our tube tent. If you don't know what a tube tent is, it's just a long trash bag that they open up both ends of it, you know, and you so we take forever setting up our tent, we get everything in it, you know, we do the dinner thing, exercise thing, we go to bed, middle of the night it starts pouring. Within about 10 minutes, the Mississippi River is running right through our tent. I mean, it's just, everything is totally soaked, and then it rains the entire next day. I did not have a single thing that wasn't soaked thoroughly, just like you got out of the shower wearing it. You know, it's just awful, you know. And then, and then on top of that, I developed a hole in my boots, you know. And uh, I guess I hadn't bought good enough quality to make it through. And I got to tell you, I, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about going on the hike in the first place. Uh, I wasn't resistant, but I wasn't overly enthusiastic. But by the end of the second day, I could only think about my exit strategy. How in the world am I going to get out of this trip? You know, in the middle of the week, we had a supply drop-off. We were going to be crossing a particular road, and there was going to be somebody, some parent from the troop who was going to drop off the supplies for the second half of the week. And so there were, one kid had sprained an ankle, and then I myself had planned to take that exit strategy. There was going to be a seat in that car, and I was on my way out of there, you know. And... Um, the last night coming into camp before I was supposed to leave the next morning, you know, the adrenaline was just kind of running just a little higher because I was thinking, I'm going to finally get out of this trip kind of thing. You know, and, and I'm out in front, and the leader is back down the trail somewhere, and he yells, can you see the camp yet? And my reply was, almost. And, and as soon as those words went out of my mouth, was, I, I wanted to chase him down the trail and get him back. Because how, how do you almost see something, Right. And immediately it just became fodder for the troop. And then, it, you know, and then it made it to itself to the award banquet in the fall, which was my last Boy Scout experience. I want you to know. <laughs> you know and, and then it still lives on in the family. You know, every once in a while we get together and the stories start going around. And you know, my father and my brother, remember that trip? You know, kind of thing. And then up it comes. You know, but it was, how do you almost see something? 
And, uh, you know, it's, it can be a funny and embarrassing thing when you're a sixth grader on a trail who's just having an awful time and is ready to go. But it's a really sad thing for a lot of believers to say they could almost see God. I'm convinced that there are many people who claim to have a relationship with God who are aware of the fact that God's active in our world. God speaks all the time. And yet they struggle to say for certainty that they've had God sightings in their spiritual journeys. And it's like they're almost saying, I, I, I almost think I see God. This morning I want to talk about spiritual vision. And I think I, I want to talk about a factor, a biblical factor, that is, I think the scripture lays tremendous importance on. It's a, it's a, it's a leverage point in our ability to be able to see God. And that's the issue of purity. In fact, I want to issue a challenge to you. Many of you have been memorizing our theme verse for this series, John 10, 27. Anybody bold enough who's been memorizing to, to say it out loud? I'm going to have to go back and check my sheet to see who made this commitment, see how we're doing. My sheep, and I know them, and they follow me. Another verse I challenge you to memorize is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I want to talk to you today about the role of purity. Perhaps we could also leap off to Hebrews chapter 12. And I've listed the verse for you there. Purity and, and bring in the concept of holiness. Where it said, where the author of Hebrews writes under God's inspiration, you know, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see God. Holiness and purity kind of coming together and and before I begin to kind of unpack the meaning of that, I just want to review where we've been along this journey so that we, we don't lose it in context. Because we've now, we're, we're working now on our eighth or ninth week of this series related to how to see and hear God around us. We've started with this fundamental idea that, that God is constantly knocking on the doors of our lives. He's constantly speaking into our lives, trying to communicate with us. As we've seen in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come into them, and they will, and they, and, and they will dine with me and I with them. And at the same time, we recognize that God is constantly creating spiritual opportunity around us because He's at work. See, so I lay before you an open door that no one can shut. And it's in that spirit that we've begun to wrestle with how it is that we actually see the God who's present and at work around us all the time. And we started primarily on the listening side, and we took a look at the Word of God. 
And we understand that it's a book that doesn't just, it's not a good book that God spoke, but it's a book that God speaks. He's still speaking through. And it's, it's necessary for us as people who are desiring to hear God speak, to have a sense of urgency about it, to long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, because God's just not going to open up His riches to you if you just have a part-time, casual, fleeting interest in Him. You've got to dig into the Word of God. You've got to let God speak. And we need to stop reading and start listening and let God speak to us through His Word and have a sense of urgency about all of that. Then we looked at the role of the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit is, is, is the, a, the new form of God with us. It's the new paraclete that comes alongside us and, and comes within us and walks with us through our spiritual journey. And it's the Spirit of God that knows the mind and the heart of God that communes with our spirit, that knows our hearts and minds, and, and it speaks back and forth. And we learned of the importance of learning not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Spirit is always speaking. If we're not hearing, it's because we've tuned Him out. So it's this idea of, of, of learning not to resist or to replace the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you missed some of that, you can go back and take a look at it. And then we started to look at other people. We talked about the role of authentic community and, and who to kind of look for as people who can, God can use as instruments, as everyday oracles, if you remember that terminology, of how God speaks into our lives through other people. And then lately we've been looking at circumstances. We took one week looking at circumstances that God uses to teach us, try to give us a reflection, a window into our own lives. Remember we looked at Jonah and his weed? We looked at about the prodigal son, you know, who, who finally dawned on him doing life with the father was better than doing life on his own. Those kinds of things. But then last week we began to look at how circumstances, God uses circumstances to, commu- to communicate with us and to show us what it is he wants us to do. And we looked at the Zacchaeus factor. And, and the woman at the well and those kinds of things. But those things necessarily entail being able to see the God sightings when they happen. So how is it that you and I improve our spiritual vision? What is the key factor? And what the scripture would teach us today is that it's purity. Well, what does the scripture mean by purity? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I think that's both future, related to our eternal experience with God in heaven, but I also think it's a present reality, that we can see God at work around us. Pursue holiness, for without, without which no one will see the Lord. And, and there are, I believe, embedded in that idea of purity or holiness, three main biblical concepts for us to get our minds and hearts around. One of those is the idea of cleanness. It's cleaning the junk out of our lives. I'd actually take this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, and I'd connect it with the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. And the idea there is blessed are those who mourn, who are broken over their sinfulness. Because they're the ones who are comforted. They're the ones who experience God's forgiveness. And again, the, 
highlighting the importance of having a personal, life-changing, redeeming relationship with God. It's not just enough to believe that you kind of, I believe in God and that kind of thing, but it's to have a specific faith, a choice, a commitment to God based upon His revelation of who He is in Jesus Christ and to have a faith experience where we embrace Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. And it's in that experience that we Experience cleanliness. I've, I've listed another verse for you in your sermon outline from James chapter 4, where it says, draw near to me, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And it says, wash your hands, you sinners. You know, it's that idea of cleansing. A part of coming closer to God is, is the cleansing. So we're going to look a little bit about the role of being clean, spiritually clean, and our ability to be able to see God. There's also a sense where the word purity in Scripture has the idea of being single-minded or single-focused. That same idea comes out in this James passage, doesn't it? It says, you know, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And, and this idea of purity is to, is to have an undistracted gaze upon God. And we're going to talk about how Having a single-mindedness can help us overcome the spiritual gawker blockers that we have in our lives. And I'm going to define what that means in a minute. So stay with me. And the last issue is proximity. We get cleaner, we get purer, we get holier when we're set apart for God, when we get closer to God. And that's why you have this admonition in, in, in the book of James to draw near to God. And we're going to talk about the role of proximity, of being close to God and how it helps us to come o- overcome the spiritual myopia that we have in our spiritual vision. So let's talk first of all about the role of cleanliness. And being able to see God. And let me go back to my hike yesterday. I took a jacket with me on top of what I was wearing because I figured I'd be cold. Was I wrong? I, I think I left a small stream behind me of sweat as we climbed the mountain, you know. And so I had my handkerchief out all the time. And I'm wiping my brow and all that kind of stuff because it's just pouring on my glasses. Eventually my, my handkerchief got so wet it didn't do me any good. So I get to the top of the mountain, and I want to see the view. You can see, you know, 40 and 50 miles from up there. It's just wonderful. My glasses are totally covered. And I take them off. I can't even see my hands. So i got to keep them on, you know. And I get out my handkerchief, which is covered in sweat, and I'm trying to wash my glasses. And I, and I put them on. It's like, I can't see anything, you know. I tried spitting on my glasses and breathing on them and everything. Nothing would work. And I think, all right, I'll use my shirt. Well, I didn't have a dry spot in my shirt, you know. And, I, and so anyways, I'll leave the story there, all right. <laughs> when we are impure, when we hold on to a lot of spiritual pollutants inside of our lives, it clouds our spiritual vision. It just does talking to Elaine Mudgett just before the surgery, before the service. She had cataract surgery this past week. You see a lot better now, don't you? I remember talking to my grandmother before she had her cataract surgery. And I said, well, what, is it, what does it look like? What is the world? She said, everything's cloudy. 
And then after the surgery, she could see so much better. Bob St. Jean, who's in our life group, had the same process on both eyes. Sees great now. Some of you have gone through laser surgery where you don't have to wear glasses anymore. You see, many of us live our lives, instead of having laser surgery that corrects the problem and gets rid of the pollutants out of our lives, we just settle for the glasses that correct the problem we think, and we just live with the pollutants, the spiritual pollutants within us. And when you and I make the commitment to draw near to God and to wash our hands, to remove that uncleanness from, uh, from within us, and, and to accelerate the experience of the purity, the holiness that God's already granted us, in, in Christ. We have this positional holiness that's a result of our relationship with Christ. But when we actually make the commitment to realize that, for it to become our everyday experience, it's amazing how much our spiritual vision improves. What I've labeled here is our visual acuity, which is actually the, 20, the, the exact term that you would find as you went out, you know, so many of us, instead of having 20-20 spiritual vision, maybe you're like me, I got like 2300, I think, in my right eye. You know, and my left eye, I think, is just a little better. We, we just live with those effects. And then we wonder why we can't see God. And God says, blessed are the pure in heart. That place deep inside that really is the real us, when that's pure, man, they get to see God. There's also this idea of single-mindedness. The purity of gaze. Being undistracted in the focus and orientation of our spiritual vision. You know, when I was in high school and in college, I often worked for my father's contracting business. And my job was to kind of work out of the shop and I would take tools and, and supplies and, and construction, so, you know, pipe and, you know, big fixtures and et cetera, out to the job site. So my vehicle of choice for the summers usually was a 16-foot stake bed. That's what I drove all summer long. I drove it home at night, drove it off on the weekends. <laughs> I took Christina on dates with it. It's, it's really a great date car to pick your girlfriend up, you know, in this big, long, green truck, you know, and et cetera. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I usually didn't mind when I was stuck in traffic. Because you get to sit there, listen to the radio, and get paid for it. But that was different on Fridays. You know, I didn't want to get back to the office late. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to make sure I was off on time. In fact, better if I could have my delivery off to the north somewhere so I could get off to the camp earlier kind of idea. And so I learned to listen to WBZ in their traffic on the threes. Any of you guys, you know, when you're going somewhere, you tap in? And I heard a term I'd never heard before called a gawker blocker. So you'd be listening on the radio, you know, and, and, and you'd be stuck on 93 and getting nowhere. You know, you're going 20 miles an hour and then you stop and you sit there for like, it seems like an eternity and you go another 20 miles an hour and stop and, you know, and they come on and say, well, you know, 93 North is back da, 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 because of a gawker blocker. Well, what is, what is that? And then, then you get about 10 miles up the road and you're just steaming, man, and you look out and there's a guy on the other side of the highway in the breakdown lane changing the tire. And everybody's going to slow down and look at them. They're going to slow down and gawk at them, you know. And because they're looking at them, they're not looking at the person in front of them. They look up and, and they clam on the brakes and they slow down. So all the traffic, so there's no reason for you to be going slow except for people just gawking at what's going on on the other side of the road. You ever had that experience? 
I got to tell you, that's, that's a lot of our spiritual experience, isn't it? We're going down the spiritual road of our journey of faith. God's got it all laid out in front of us. He's at work and et cetera. And we're, we're looking out the windows at the people changing tires on the side of the road. And we miss what's going on. But when we purify our lives, we get rid of the pollutants, it gets rid of the double-mindedness, and we have this singular focus on God, and it's amazing how much our vision improves as to what's going on in our lives. Because we're actually looking for it. And when you look for it, you can see it. It's incredible stuff. And so as we heed this call from God to have this pure heart, it gives us this singular focus. And so we can actually see God in real time. Spiritual purity also impacts our spiritual vision because it impacts our proximity to God. Let me read for you again James chapter 4, verse 8. And and I, I literally believe that all of these verses are linked together. It's the same God who's speaking them through three different authors, applying them in different ways. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pursue holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. In the book of James, on the heel of confessing that if you resist the devil, the devil will free. The Apostle James tells us as well that if we draw near to God, just as certain, God's going to draw near to us. There is a sense in which all of us live with with some spiritual myopia. You know, we, we can have a sense of God kind of way out there in the future. You know, we, the heaven, all, you know, the new Jerusalem, you know, we, get, we get that part of it. But we really only see God kind of up close when we're up close. I mean, my wife used to laugh at me when I'd have to get, I'd get up in the middle of the night, and the only way I could tell what time it was to get up to the clock radio like this, you know. So now I just keep, I use my phone as my alarm and I just keep it in the dresser next to me and I can pull it out and bring it up to my, I don't have to get out of bed, I can just look at it, you know. Many of us are spiritually nearsighted. And I gotta tell you, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Because I think God really wants us to live close to Him. That's why He says, draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. I mean, we just see better when we're up close to it, don't we? I mean, why is NASA sending spacecrafts through the universe? Because as they get closer to planets, this past week, didn't a a, a spacecraft pass pass within 450 miles of a comet? The most up-close photos they've ever had of that kind of a space anomaly? We just see better up close. And so God gives us His invitation that if, if we purify our hearts when we draw close to Him, we're going to see Him more clearly. And 
And just to give you some sense, I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks as we conclude our series on the practices of the drawing board. How is it that you and I actually draw closer to God? And we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Because i got to tell you, no matter how much you want to see and to hear God, if you are not practicing and growing your love relationship with Jesus Christ through the daily disciplines of being in relationship with Him, you, you, you're, you're not going to draw near. And you're not going to be purified. And you're not going to see God. What I want to focus on today in this particular passage is this, this idea of making every effort or pursuing. That's what the word pursue in Hebrews means. It says pursue peace with all men and holiness. That same verb applies and it's, it's making every effort to, to be holy or to draw close to God. This doesn't happen by accident, my friends. You just don't all of a sudden say, well, you know, I, I, I want to just, you, you know, you get all excited about seeing God. And just because you want it somehow or another, it's, it's supposed to kind of happen. And you don't have to really try. It doesn't work that way. You've got to make every effort to draw near to God. So the question I have for you today, as we move to conclude, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're honest with yourself, just inside, how badly do you really want to see God? Let that sink in for a moment. Just replay the tape of the last maybe 30 days of your life. How much energy and effort have you invested and trying to draw near to God. Because you want to see Him. Are you at a 2 or a 3? Or an 8 or a 9? Somewhere in between? What's your effort level? How hard are you pursuing that race? What are you doing to purify yourself? So that you can see God. God's there to be seen. God wants to be seen. That's why He promises if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. In the name of Christ this morning, I invite you draw near. Come before His throne with boldness. Whether it's by the first experience of a genuine life-changing faith in Jesus Christ as you accept that original cleansing that comes through the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Or whether it's by that continuing desire to wipe clean the sins that so, that so easily still entangle us. In the name of Christ, draw near. Let's pray together. God, we realize 
that based upon your revelation of yourself. In creation, in your word, and in your son. That you don't want to be a mystery to us. God, we confess that we make you a mystery. Because our hearts are not clean. Father, wash us. And we will be whiter than snow. And we ask it in the name of the only means of being cleansed. Jesus Christ, in whom I have placed my faith. Amen.